Welcome at How to Buy Design, the monthly meetup organized by Blue City Lab, where we search for answers on how to buy design with our international community of pioneers. We dive into our oceans, explore the organisms in the soil, look at human and non-human organisms, from the Netherlands to Central Asia. Let's get started. Welcome everybody. My name is Mark Slegers. I'm a trained biotechnologist, co-founder and director of Rotterdam and a co-founder of Blue City. Also a member of the advisory board of Blue City Lab. Today I'm joined by Jennifer de Jonge from Nest Architects for the animals. Uh, I want to give her a warm welcome as well to be uh, my first co-host. Uh, this is my first host a session, so I'm looking forward to our special topic. Today we're going to dive in the world of insulation solutions from nature. First of all, isolation has always been an important topic in modern housing, but it was always been a struggle to stimulate the public to act. With the rising prices of gas we need in Holland to heat our houses, uh, the need of insulation in our houses will be never be so important. Uh, we will address this need later on in this conversation, but first let's get more into insulation from nature. Jennifer, please, can you introduce yourself, what you do and where you get your inspiration from? Yes, Mark, thank you for the introduction and thank you for having me here as your co-host this evening. Uh, for me, insulation is, uh, well, I'm co-owner of uh, Architects for the Animals, Nest Architect for the Animals. Uh, and what we do with Nest is creating uh, the natural layer over the uh, built uh, environment. And one of the things is indeed uh, building nests, but also getting houses to be uh, insulated in a natural way. So one of the topics that I'm most interested in is how we can insulate with uh, uh, sheep's, uh, sheep's uh, hairs, so with wool. In the Netherlands, we have a lot of wool left over at the moment and uh, it's not being used. Uh, it is possible to insulate your house with it, but uh, there are some difficulties uh, with this whole uh, uh, process of getting your, how do you call it, documents right, the, the, the right... Um, how do you say it, R value uh, uh, on, the, on the wall. And one of the things we want to use it for is on top of the uh, buildings, because uh, we do uh, uh, have a whole process going on of getting green rooftops. Uh, but the most rooftops, they are built with uh, mineral or oil uh, products, and we want to change it into a whole bio-based uh, rooftop. And one of the products we want to use is the, is the sheep's uh, wool, uh, but then unwashed, just uh, straight on the roof, because the wool has very nice uh, uh, insulation uh, qualities, but also holds uh, water for quite a long time and then gives it back to the air in a very short time. So it not only insulates into the houses, but also outside, so we don't have this uh, city heat, uh, how do you call it, the city heat uh, problem going on. And the second product we use uh, up there uh, most of the time is cork. So I'm uh, very happy with one of the speakers uh, we have here today. And I think this is also the right moment to give, uh, to give it back to you. <laughs> Thank you. But maybe first a question about, uh, explain a little bit more about the wool on the top roof. Is it getting wet because of the rain or is it... Is it on top it of the roof, the roof? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there are two different ways you can do it. So one, you can put it directly on the roof. Uh, so, it, uh, so it protects the roof from uh, the roots. Mm -hmm. uh, but also if you want to have a better isolation quality on top of the roof and also acoustic uh, insulation quality, you can first use the cork and then you put the wool on top of it. 
and the wool helps uh, to have a longer period of humidity for the roots. Uh, yeah, and it keeps the moist. It keeps the the water uh, in in the subside sort of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's a better insulation, of course. So uh, cool. it has, and that's the thing with natural products. Why I think this is also a very interesting evening. Most of the time, when you look at the natural products to fix one of our human uh, uh, problems, uh, you find uh, a stacking of uh, positive uh, uh, qualities in the natural, uh, where the the ones we produce most only. Uh, uh, have one problem to solve. So I think that's one of the nicest thing of looking at uh, the bio world. And then maybe a question before we go into uh, our speakers. Architect of the animals. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you mentioned a <laughs> sheep, but is there more, more animals involved? Yeah, it's a lot of animals. So where we started with is the animals that live inside our houses. So it's the sparrow, the swift and the bats most of the time. Uh, and they need a place to uh, to stay. And most of the time now they stay inside the, uh, how do you call this air hole we have between two types of wall to keep... Uh, yeah, the spow. I don't know what it is in, in, yeah. in, in, in English. Junction. Yeah. Junction. Yeah. Ah, the junction. Thank you. So that's most of the time they are living in the junction. And with the fact that we now need to insulate all the walls, those animals lose their uh, places to live. So uh, we are uh, uh, in the same uh, field, trying to get some uh, spaces for the animals uh, or inside the junctions. But then you have the problem with the uh, uh, cold bridges. That's a direct translation. I don't know if it's the right English. Uh, so, uh, uh, or you have to put them outside at the uh, houses, but then it's not durable enough, you know, because everyone can take them off or so. There's a, a bit of a struggle. We want to do a lot of good for nature, but we also have to do good for nature. And then sometimes you get a bit mixed up in choice making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. A lot to talk about uh, then. And you know then also a lot about insulation and uh, the effect on habitats of uh, local animals uh, on this part. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my uh, specialty here. Yeah. Good to have you. Let's go to our first uh, speaker and expert. Um, I want to welcome uh, Arnoud, who has uh, had his birthday yesterday, so he can still join the whole session, I uh, understood. So uh, uh, still, uh, happy birthday, uh, still as possible, I think. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to have you uh, here, Arnoud. Maybe first introduce yourself to the audience, and then we can uh, see what questions we have as well. Uh, my name is Arnoud Hanenburg. For over more than seven years working Enthusiastic with the product of cork, expanded cork, as one of the 100% bio-based possibilities for the construction market, based uh, with a focus on the Dutch uh, market. With that, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, how we can use the cork in various ways, and of course, thinking about increasing the product, uh, the cork, by planting more cork oaks for the future, and as well, working on reusing the cork that we already have in the Netherlands and, and to give it a long, longer term of use uh, within products. What's your role? What, what you use cork as an insulator or do you produce the cork yourself or how, how does it work? Can you explain uh, a little bit more about that? The cork is a material already uh, known for over 60 years uh, that is produced in uh, Portugal, uh, as well produced in the countries uh, of Algeria, so all around the Mediterranean Sea, but my producer is in Portugal, more over than 50% of all 
core products worldwide are from Portugal. Really? And my role is to share my knowledge um, of the possibilities of cork as an expanded, uh, like the expanded cork as an insulation material. So for using it in walls, uh, using it in floors, using it in roofs, but as well with the extra correct characteristics um, as thermal, but as well for acoustic, um, anti-seismic, so uh, anti-vibration. And with the thought it could uh, help in um, combination of products. So sometimes you can use the cork additional to other, uh, I hope, bio-based materials uh, to get better results. Because I already I heard a little bit the R mentioned, it's the R value. That's an important thing in insulation. Do you or can you explain a little bit about what it, what does it mean or how important is it? It's one way. It's an important for the the Dutch regulations. So you have to build with huge uh, walls uh, thickness to uh, get the right uh, standards. And sometimes, or not sometimes, always uh, there's there need to be costs paid for the project. So I think you have to. Uh, use the materials the best way to reach your goals. And for the R value, I think it's quite expensive to do it alone with the quark. So it's better to think in combination. It's sort of a, a, regulation, a regulated standard to measure how good it can insulate on temperature yes. or, or only temperature, or, or is it a general number? Or? Yeah, it's the insulation value. So it, the thickness depends. So double the thickness of material, the double... The value it is and within the cork with 40 millimeters you've got like an r value and so it's expressed in r and how how did you get the interest for cork how did that work how did it land up your on your plate or uh, because i have a little bit of cork here but this is not the cork you're talking about eh? you have the expanded cork and i don't know if this is expanded or no that's not expanded that's a, a cork stopper from the bottle uh, i think a granule cork so not a fully natural cork but uh, it's one way why i was triggered of course mark so uh, <laughs> okay uh, by drinking a wine um, but i already had seen the the product uh, during um, a previous or, or the year before and they had the statement it was 100% bio based that material and i've never seen it and i touched it and i thought wow it's beautiful so i was diving into it and uh, well a year later i was in portugal and uh, investigating more to see if what i was reading and what they were telling uh, fits what I, what i was seeing as well yes and the first thing when i heard about it i, I thought why is this tree producing its own insulator yeah the, the tree it, because it's uh, uh, maybe important it's the bark of the tree so it's the bark of the the quercus super and the cork oak and after grown for 25 years, you can peel it for the first time. So you only peel the bark and it's very irregulated. And after nine till 11 years, you can peel it again. And the tree is growing. So uh, as well, the, the, the volume of cork that is harvesting. By peeling the, the outer layer of the, the cork oak, it uh, has the extra stimulants to directly renew the, the bark because it's it's the protection against fires uh, so as well the, the the fires known in in spain portugal 
the huge fires uh, from a few years ago as well. They are mostly because of eucalyptus and the cork oaks when they are, of course, not filled on that moment, so just directly before. The, the outer layer, the cork bark, is protecting the, the tree. From fires and, yes. and maybe from heat, especially for fires. Especially for heat, actually, but as well for fires. It's very warm in the, the south of Europe, where the, where the cork oak functions, like in the Antejo. And as well, the leaves are able to uh, close the cells, so they vaporize less. And so the, the bark is having the function to insulate the tree. And, and that's also because looking at insulators from nature, is it specifically that cork works on locations where you also need to fire part or is it well it's known that it's uh, used within uh, high pressure of of uh, heat so one of the functions uh, beside of the thermal um, the, the r value named before you've got also the, the function that it uh, lowers the heat stress within buildings so if you've got 20 centimeters of cork it will take you 13 hours to have the heat across the material uh, like as well for uh, other bio-based materials, and a lot of are known that to have that function. So, what was the direct question, Mark? Is the cork specially focused on uh, using it in a, in a location where fire resistance is an important part, or is it more broadly uh, usable? Or um, how do you look at at cork or uh, natural insulators? In, in uh, no, it is it is more more broadly usable as well. Uh, but as as well for fire safe solutions. But then the cork is one of the materials within it. So in fire doors to protect uh, rooms, you've got metal, but within there's expanded cork. In the aerospace, you've got cork functioning in the heat shields. Uh, so it could have um, like the buffering effect, but when you are burning it with high temperatures and without any um, covering like metal or gypsum or li- uh, lime then then it will burn of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. what's the the life cycle of of cork because yeah you mentioned that it takes about 24 years to grow cork then you can harvest multiple times and what i really like about it is that the tree stays intact so you don't really harm the tree it's sort of you can harvest it and it doesn't you know kills the tree and then uh, you have to plant over so you can reuse it um, then you extract the cork from the tree and you process it into an insulator. Yes, well, um, the main economic value of the cork is, is still the cork stopper. So 70% of all cork revenue is made by putting it in the bottle. But nothing is lost within the cork industry. So uh, you've got f- uh, flooring, of course, you've got uh, agglomerates, you've got... Uh, uh, granules um, and you've got finally as well when they cannot use any of that cork in the higher functions then we use it uh, within the expanded cork so actually we use the falca falca is uh, the the cork uh, from the first peel so that is very irregular and as well when the tree are uh, like the branches are cut to keep the, the the tree in condition they use those branches to peel off the cork as well so that's that's actually the the cork we use within the expanded cork, and it doesn't have any conflict with the cork that is going into the bottle. So it works together. So when we are going for more corks in in the bottle, 
we will have more Falca as well because every step has a function during the lifetime of the, the core code. Yeah, what I was surprised about is the recyclability about uh, cork as well. And that was also my wondering. I mean, what I do with these corks after using the wine bottle, I normally sort of throw it away. But isn't it logic then to see how we can recycle this into an insulator or is that... Yes, lo logic it is. Um, but actually we need to try to uh, not only uh, for the insulation, but like a higher... Uh, market value for it because um, it's quite costly to recollect all the corks to granule them to uh, give them back a function the best way is because i'm involved by doing that in the netherlands so since december uh, this of last year in one of the province uh, all people can uh, collect the, the cork at the, the local uh, environment uh, central uh, locations it's useful to not throw the cork away because it has grown for nine years. Yeah, yes. definitely. Now, now I will never do it again. Uh, okay. Thank you, uh, Arnold, as well. <laughs> Can you mention your biggest challenge? That one and another one I'm looking really forward in your favorite project you've done uh, the last uh, several years. Biggest challenge is, I think, certification and in the end, um, price, right? So the, the acceptance from the market. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm very happy that it's growing, the attention for it, um, uh, the functions uh, where the cork is used into, because it is an insulation material, but we also use it as a facade, so the, the outer skin of the buildings. We use it in combination with um, uh, the green roof system. Jennifer also told already something with it, and I know they are also testing with uh, sheep pools, so maybe it's combined with uh, what you are doing uh, already. And we, they are making floaters for it with, with greens or within ponds. So all uh, based on what the properties are of the material, also outside of pure insulation material. Um, and in the Netherlands, I'm very happy that we are willing to pay the price because we uh, know the value. But in the end, uh, I, I hope that we can use the cork the best way intended because we have a, a huge demand for materials so if we can also have the same uh, effect with uh, a 30 millimeters cork in in a combination then we better do it with 30 millimeters yeah so we can double uh, double the effect but that's then because it's limited available or because if you mentioned that the biggest uh, source is coming from portugal yes isn't it possible then to grow cork trees all over the world? Or yes, but it's not so easy to uh, as like tomatoes. So uh, if we want more cork for the future, then we uh, needed to plant like yeah, 25, uh, 24 years ago uh, already. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So the uh, in the end, it is expanding every year. Okay. So the and maybe some people think, well, the cork is going backwards, uh, but in absolute numbers, uh, there's getting more cork on the bottle, but there are also increasing like lots of bottles. So, so it's still in the rise, uh, but it's, it's slower. So I think it's good to realize that it's a renewable material. It's re uh, you can grow it, but you have to think forward. And in, uh, in Portuguese, they say uh, the eucalyptus tree you plant for yourself. So it's fast economic gain. Uh, the walnut for your children and the cork oak for your grandchildren.
Really nice. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for this introduction of Cork. I think we will continue. Uh, uh, we will see Cork uh, in the future probably, and uh, I think later on in this discussion as well. Maybe it's uh, uh, good to also uh, ask some questions to our next uh, speaker. Thank you, Arnaud. We will uh, come back to you later on. Jennifer, can you take over and introduce our next speaker? So, uh, Thomas Spijdenburg, you're going to be the next speaker uh, this evening. Uh, you're uh, uh, from uh, the Green uh, Building uh, Systems. Uh, welcome to, uh, for, for joining us this evening. Would you like to give yourself a little introduction? Yes, okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been involved with natural building materials <laughs> since childhood. My dad was an organic architect back then already. I grew up in an ecological house, which became very popular uh, with my friends when we used to have parties uh, at the age of 15, 16, 17, etc. <laughs> um, can imagine. Can imagine. <laughs> and that made me realize there was something special with it. Um, and later on, when I started moving into what you call ordinary buildings, I found out I couldn't really feel at home there. Got involved with ecological building, um, ended up in South Africa, doing jobs in France as well and in the Netherlands. I found out that people found it very difficult to find these materials. So I started organizing it, ended up yeah, more and more selling them to, to others um, and realized I have to do something with this and start organizing it. And from there, Groene uh, Bouwmaterialen was born. Groene Bouwmaterialen is uh, a webshop which has about 50% professional customers and about 40 to 50% private customers. And then the new development came that more and more people working at, at these building companies also started to call uh, for their customers. And then we organized that. But then we realized it's a completely different game. So that became actually green building systems. Uh, whereby we are the importers of a few brands, including Sheepool, Sheepool from Isolena. Ah, uh, yeah, we use uh, it as well for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And we have been collecting Dutch wool the last months. Uh, it was very hard to get it to the factory. First shipment, we didn't manage. Um, oh. The washing of the wool is very important, but maybe that's the next topic. Yeah. There's already uh, a lot of questions uh, I would like to ask you from this. Uh, from this beginning. So uh, you say uh, you lived in an uh, organic uh, architecture house and you couldn't feel at home in the, uh, so to say, uh, speaking normal houses. Uh, what's the not feeling at home? Is it a feeling inside the, in the buildings or is it the shape or what's the, what's the not feeling at home in, in those normal houses? What's the difference? Yeah, the house I grew up in was made of uh, finlogs, and so the wood beam system. It had cork insulation. It had electricity, which was completely, uh, how do you call it, twisted, and that there was no radiation uh, from it. And the house was, yeah, it had some clay plaster, it had a wood fire stove. Um, I don't know, it was just a nice place and a good hangout also. Um, and then... Uh, when I went to live in ordinary houses, I would hear all kinds of sounds from energy pipes. Um, mm -hmm. I think I could sense the electrical radiation 
and later on the Wi-Fi. Um, it's, it's, of course, it's sensitive, so you are never really sure, but I think I did. Yeah, you, you feel the humidity in summer rising in a building, in an ordinary building, and you feel in winter it, it gets chilly, even if the, uh, the heating system is saying it has reached 21%. Um, uh, degrees. So I just I just uh, realized um, people have turned in a wrong direction, and um, and I can play a small role in uh, in helping people to realize that if you want a truly comfortable uh, building where you really feel well, um, then you can use uh, all these qualities that natural materials have. Yeah. And now you just said uh, the about chili, uh, even when the heat is up. I think that's also, it's not only the building material, but indeed also the insulation uh, uh, material. So um, that you had a total cork insulation uh, inside of the house. Is this still uh, the product that you uh, value the most as an insulation? Uh, or uh, did you start to learn different types of insulation which you now yeah um i think for it depends on the house it depends on the uh, situation which material is best to use and people are also different and they build within a city or outside the city on the countryside uh, our high rise or uh, a villa an office <laughs> building so it depends uh, what you do cork is relatively expensive For example, in flat roofs where you have problems with humidity, with condensation, you can also use it in uh, yeah, ground floors or cellular roofs, uh, the, the ceiling of a cellar. And yeah, just places where you really need those qualities. Yeah, the same sheep wool is, is excellent for monuments, uh, but sheep wool core combinations are also great, as mentioned before. Um, we use a lot of Um, wood fiber insulation because it has a good quality cost and yeah extreme humidity regulating qualities and so it's 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 very well balanced on all these different levels and again yeah in in flat roofs we use a combination of wood fiber and then cork uh, just under the the protective um, how do you call it the skin the, the rubber The water, yeah. Yeah. So you also talk about uh, stacking the qualities of the different materials for different types of insulation. So you talked about sheep wool for, uh, um, how do you say it, all churches, etc. Uh, yeah. why, why, why is this used most at those type of uh, insulation? Uh, uh? Yeah, sheep, sheep wool, the keratina fiber is really unique. A sheep, when it's grazing in the fields and it's raining hard, it's still feeling warm. So it's one of the few materials that even if it's wet, it's still insulating very well. The fiber is very complex if you look at it uh, with a microscope. Um, it's hollow and it has a lot of small tubes and cellular structures. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's layered with the... Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. That means that it makes a lot of contact with the air and it can regulate the moist in the air extremely well. But it can also regulate uh, pollution in the air very well. So it has air 
purifying qualities. That's why they still use it in airplanes. It's very difficult to burn. You have to have an active flame. The material itself will stop burning immediately when the flame is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have flame of more than 600 degrees, so it's quite uh, fire resistance, resistant. You need to protect it from bugs, of course. So uh, there's, there were huge problems with wool insulation in the past if it wasn't treated properly. And a lot of wool insulation brands, they use very ecological advertisement. And at the same time, they use biocides to protect their wool. So that's, that's a bit weird, but it happens. So be careful. Uh, always check how it is treated. It's also the reason why we cannot use just any wool. Uh, you have to really uh, wash it well, send it to the factory, return it, that it cannot be eaten and it's treated in an ecological way. About this treating it the most ecological way, what's the, when is insulation material green enough to be on your web shop? Yeah, we want materials which has as little as possible. Um, yeah, so so a lot of like negative imp- or, or flux insulation has uh, polyester binders in it or bico binders, and with some brands they are above twelve percent, and we prefer they are below, for example, six percent. So we have a Dutch brand of flux insulation, and we stopped selling it because. Uh, they keep the level of binders quite high because it lowers the cost. Yeah. And in our eyes, this means uh, that it's a hybrid material and hybrid materials are difficult to recycle and they cause microplastics. And I think what we are trying is to, to work in a different direction. We want truly circular bio-based products. If the building gets abundant and breaks down, it should all disappear quite easily and it should be yeah it should should be yeah. able to compost yeah we say we always say with at, at nest you have to design end of life and it should be uh compost so uh com- the compost of the future so yeah. everything you put onto market should also be possible to uh compost after you sold it so you don't have the responsibility anymore for the uh for the material, so that's yeah. I think that's. Uh, do you have any advice for uh, the pioneers inside this uh, group on material innovations that you would say I would really like see this material as a, a, a possible insulation material for the future? Uh, as put all your research interest into. Yeah, I think we need as as much diversity as possible. Human we, hair is said in the chat here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so diversity is what we need. All kinds of materials, all kinds of sources. Yeah, that's what's needed. It's it's not that uh, everybody is going to live in straw buildings because then we, we will have too much monoculture and everybody eating bread only. It's not all, all going to be hemp. Uh, it's not all going to be, uh, how do you call it, mycelium. But all these materials will play a role. Uh, it's not all going to be cork because we have to plant a lot of corks. Hopefully, we will plant a lot of corks because and we, we want to keep things. thinking longer term. Yeah. So, if you uh, think about local, yeah, local, we need more local production. Um, at the moment, we do import, for example, Vitex wood fiber insulation from Schwarzwald because that's relatively local. 
The Dutch flux insulation uh, comes all the way from Eastern Europe, so it's actually less local. So we need to truly think local and have smaller uh, production units instead of bigger factories. I think that would be ideal, maybe with robotics or whatever. Yeah, as I said before, diversity. So we don't need the same type of material. In the past, people used to build different in the Netherlands than in south of Germany, than in north of France or in Spain. And it's logical that we use different materials at different places. So yeah, we also have two types of materials we use now. It's like new houses that are or new buildings that are being built. Then it's always possible to use, of course, all the, the dry materials and to, uh, but the material that is used for the cavity walls, I have not found any 100% natural material that you can just easily uh, put into the hole inside the wall. Do you know? Yeah, you know which type of. Uh, Instead. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think most of them are uh, minerals or uh, 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 oil-based uh, materials. Do you know uh, any uh, uh, cavity wall uh, after installation insulation system that's 100% bio-based? Uh, at the moment, uh, I think it's only cork. And the best is to combine the cork with a binder, uh, like a glue. The same what can be done with EPS. Um, how do you call it in English? The piepschuim. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's uh, EPS as well. Yeah. Oh, styrofoam. The, yeah, we do have a bio-based EPS in the Netherlands. It's called biofoam. The problem is biofoam is synthesized, so it's not made from. Uh, the problem with bio-based plastics is uh, it's still the if it breaks down, you still have the same problems with microplastics often. So it's good that it's made from plant oil instead of uh, oil. Uh, from the ocean bed or deeper, but uh, we still stuck with the same problem. So we we do need more easy, more simple products, uh, um, very technical, complex products we need for technology. Uh, a building skin is very easy, uh, something simple. It should breathe, it should regulate moisture, it should regulate temperature. Uh, you yeah, if you combine all those qualities, you can actually only do it with natural materials. Um, but we do not need things like EPS for that, I think. So, yeah, if you have a cavity wall to fill, call Arn out. Yeah. <laughs> Me a question, uh, Thomas, as well. If I look over here on your website, you see a comparison between uh, uh, the natural insulators and uh, the not natural, uh, so the fossil fuel-based or mineral-based uh, insulators. I see only benefits from uh, natural materials uh, compared to the sort of regularly used materials. Why is it still not the standard that we use only natural materials? Actually, if you look at the R value, the synthetic products do better. So if you have a traditional wall with two layers of brick in it, uh, the, the brick takes so much space in the total width of the wall, you need a very high insulating material in the middle. But if you take a modern construction, which is a wood uh, construction or CLT or any other bio-based construction, then you have a lot of space. You've got about 28 to 32 centimeters to fill with insulation. And then you don't need this high R-value uh, synthetic products. Thanks to wool, we have a high R-value bio-based products. 
Uh, wood fiber, especially the compressed one and cork, have a lower R value. So we just have to change the way we build. Uh, more prefab, where we have to move away from the use of too much brick and concrete, etc. You can build 70 to 100 meters high with wood without a problem. It's, it's happening now in Amsterdam at the moment. What happens with the production of the insulation material? So, uh, for example, the soft wood fiber, uh, it has an enormous impact. Why, why, is it so, uh, why is it so high? Is it the heat that's needed? or? Uh, what, what do you mean, the soft wood? Uh, like the insulation from the soft wood, it has a very high impact. So if you take a look at the... Diagram. Thank you. The, yeah, the life uh, life cycle analysis. It has quite a high impact. Yeah, there's uh, there's a difference between the the dry produced wood fiber, which um, uh, which they spray a slight glue with it, and the wet system, which those productions don't exist too much anymore, uh, which are very need a lot of energy. So actually, the new types of wood fiber production, first of all, they have their own green energy. They have all the energy they used covered, mm-hmm. and uh, they use the so-called dry production method, which has an extremely low impact. And then they only buy wood from forests which are very well managed, and they use the, the high-quality wood for the beams and planks uh, for CLT, for example, and they only use the, the softer wood under the skin of the tree, which is something which normally would be thrown away or burned for making the wood fiber insulation. So actually, if you look at those diagrams, normally they either both in it, so mm-hmm. the dry method and the old school wet. So the LCAs are different for the different types of wood fiber insulation. And then, yeah, what do you focus on? Um, that's, of course, what happens all the time when you have such strong, powerful lobbies for uh, which try to green calculate, uh, for example, rock wool, um, and they will put a finger at the energy use of wood fiber, and then they will show you the diagram of the old production methods. Um, so those kind of things, they happen all the time um, behind the scenes. Um, but if you look at the, for example, Gutex uh, and the new data, you will see the impact is low. And actually, they call it positive. I don't like to call it positive. I think it can never be more than neutral. <laughs> but at the moment, the tree stops growing. Uh, it stops absorbing CO2. And some people try to say if all buildings were from wood, then we would have uh, CO2 absorption, which mm-hmm. is we would maybe have CO2 stored. And that's the positive thing, that we will have CO2 stored within those buildings uh, from all these plant materials, which are there as long as the building. So what's the biggest, uh, I don't want to say problem, (laughs) because it sounds negative. So what's the biggest challenge you have at the moment for the ecological building uh, systems? Yeah, if you have small a new a small production, and some brands are still very small, and they need to scale up, um, and they need to have their products certified, 
And there's this whole wild growth of all kinds of uh, labels. And mm-hmm. um, it's very difficult for these people to, to pay 20 to 50,000 euros for a certification. It's very easy for very big companies. What do you think should change in this? Uh, uh, okay, two questions. One, is this the main thing they need to scale up? The biggest problem they have? Like if you can't scale, if you don't have the certification, you can't scale. So uh, you, you keep small. You, you're not going to be used by the bigger uh, uh, building uh, companies. Or uh, you, you mentioned them in one sentence. So now I'm combining them as well, but I don't know if you meant it in this way. <laughs> Do you understand the question? Not exactly, because we are going to the next one and then I got lost. I know, I know, I know. So so the first question is, uh, why, uh, what's the uh, their biggest challenge in uh, scaling up? Yeah, actually, at the moment, whatever you produce, you can sell uh, if you look at bio-based products. So it's, 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 but if we want to change this world and if we want to, to stop the destruction that's going on and it's already going on for a long time, but it's, it's still speeding up and, um, and we need more. Yeah. We really need to, to turn around and, and get this society and this economy circular and bio-based as much as possible. If you want to have the Netherlands uh, uh, insulate all houses insulated by next year, do you think we have enough natural products available to get them all insulated after insulated? What do you say? Actually, we do, but we will have to use the whole range from uh, elephant's grass, uh, which grows very fast, hemp grows very fast. Uh, the beautiful thing with elephant grass is it, it can be no-tilled agriculture. A few people know that one of the biggest releases of carbon comes from just plowing the ground and yeah. uh, disturbing the, the, the life within the ground. Soil life. And, and the soil. Um, so if you can have no-tilled agriculture, you can with, for example, elephant grass. Elephant grass. Uh, it's a beautiful fiber. We don't have any products of it yet. We do have it in clay plasters um, because it's very fungus resistant. What but about think, algae? Yeah. So there are all there are so many different types of, and that's why I said the word diversity before. Uh, you can also make bills from other materials than straw, of course. Before we talked about that, uh, uh, barks with similar qualities to cork. Uh, Arnaud mentioned it before this meeting. So I, I think if we really want to, we'll find solutions. And uh, there are also mineral solutions, uh, lime, clay, uh, clay mixed with fibers, uh, lime mixed with uh, fibers. But isn't that also then the, the the shout out we can do to the pioneers that are available and, and listening to this podcast or are available in this session to take this as an opportunity that we need that biodiversity and uh, that we need that research from everybody that wants to do something in natural materials to start up and do it and connect to the people that have already a lot of experience and uh, start moving because uh, we need them for the materials. Uh, I think demand is there. Demand yeah. will will come uh, as soon as policy makers start to understand that they don't have to subsidize and lower gas prices but to stimulate insulation with natural materials. Um, that there's plenty of opportunity coming for the young generation to uh, to make the change. Yes, definitely. 
And and if they come up with uh, beautiful products, we know how to sell them. Yeah, that's that's a nice thing I heard when we had the, the introduction session. Uh, uh, you are open for experience, uh, experimenting and uh, uh, looking and sharing knowledge on that part. How can people get involved, uh, Thomas? Yeah, it's what it's actually one of the cool things is that um, um, we do projects even with people we compete with. Uh, we do projects with uh, brands uh, we don't sell. I don't know. It, do, it doesn't really matter. We, we all have a mission and, um, and there are so many uh, great products and qualities to combine um, and to learn from. Within my company, we do have all these experiences, which is actually uh, gives us an advantage and is something we also openly share. Yeah, but there are, I think maybe uh, because I, when I hear you talk about it, you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience. Uh, and what I learned about this session, um, that we need a lot of diversity in um, uh, the, the solutions and the specific solutions and the sp specific demand on, uh, is it a roof in a cellar or in a church or uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, strange buildings we have? How can we make that more available that we sort of know from, hey, we have these kind of uh, situations and there's only a limited amount of sources that now fit really good. We need a solution for that. Come up with new ideas on a specific uh, uh, demand in the market. And then you come to the, you need other people to tell those stories, of course. But uh, yeah, you need, I don't know. We, we just hired a new content marketeer, but you also need journalists or other people to tell these stories. And you need people to experience these buildings because that's what we see a lot. If people experience these buildings, they really like them. And and often friends or friends come and people... Uh, uh, all of a sudden, we got very different types of customers the last years from very high end till... Uh, Till these guys who, who are now um, occupying the homes of uh, oligarchs in London, for example. And we get these people from the squatter movement, they call us and they also have all kinds of cool experiments and want to know how they can fix these squatted places with straw bills. And yeah, it's, it's cool to really help them along then with things like that. Maybe it's good to get Arnoud in the, in the discussion as well. Yes. And maybe you have an extra addition to what the discussion is about and uh, something you want to share on this uh, to conclude, sort of? Well, I, I'm convinced that uh, you have to work together. So uh, that's always my approach uh, within the uh, bio-based materials and uh, um, that you have to share each other solution uh, to, to give the best result. Um, but in the end, uh, also making it not too difficult and too much an experiment because people want solutions you know so it's good to do that on the back and uh, i think thomas is uh, is always like liking to experiment as well but in the end that's not what he is directly offering his clients for now because the current client just wants something that works and bio-based um, and not everybody wants to be felt like the pilot or uh, they, they want to see it that it's already tested somewhere um, so i think we need to stay doing that uh, and i see a lot of with uh, with schools um, they are getting involved um, and they are interested because we have to teach our 
uh, our students that are now still learning uh, that these are materials uh, uh, for the future and that they have the interest for the future because they are the new people, new managers, new men and women on the on the building area. Uh, and if they know that it's an option, then they can make it sure that it is coming into projects as well. And if you then look at, because that's that's perfect, uh, getting the, the, the education part involved, uh, training uh, the kids, the future generation. But what about the current architects that already can implement it tomorrow? What do you think about that? Um, yes, but it's, uh, and I don't know how Thomas sees it, but um, for me, it's more the self-developing uh, customer that makes the decision to go for cork or and lots of the time he's using other kind of bio-based uh, bio -based materials as well but he can make that decision and if you have only the the option to choose your kitchen or uh, the color of your front door and that's it then the decision making was already been like five years ago yeah, perfect. And Jennifer, because we talked before this uh, this session, you're working from 7 to 11 at the moment, uh, uh, also advising now to use natural materials. Uh, so that's, that's yeah, it's, scaling it up. It is, it is. I think uh, there's a big change uh, going on in uh, in the building world in, uh, in getting to... Uh, to understand how important it is to work uh, with nature, for nature, etc. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but it's also because uh, the government is uh, involving. So I think that's a very important uh, thing. As soon as uh, we now get, the, the, we have a point system in a lot of cities in the Netherlands, which uh, uh, make, uh, yeah, you, you are uh, obligated to at least get a, a few points on uh, a building uh, also for nature. Uh, so it's flora and fauna in all different ways, and you can make your own choices. Uh, and we try to make uh, uh, the possibilities there to get it all done naturally as well. So uh, that's a very nice thing. One of the things we uh, we we did learn last year that uh, building 100% bio-based, it's still very difficult to get insurance. So uh, we have quite a lot of uh, customers uh, that do want to build bio-based, but at the end can't get it, the building insured. So uh, that's one of the things we are, uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the difficulties. And uh, one of the questions I have with this, uh, what about uh, fire resistance of the uh, most bio-based materials? They don't always score in a very high way. Now, I do think that the cork, because it's the protection of fire for the trees, already has a big fire uh, uh, fire safe. Uh, fire, how do you say it? The score. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's an, it's an assumption. It's an assumption, uh, Jennifer. Because ah, okay. uh, when we are talking in Europe, we are we are having uh, Euroclass E from Edward. And in, in, in USA, it's, uh, it's B, so it differs a bit uh, how they scale the Euro class and fire resistance of materials. That is because um, when you put a, a fire test on the material, the cork will not directly flame. get away. Well, it, if there's a source, the flame would get higher instead of a plastic that will melt directly. So it's uh, how the certification is built. <laughs> 
uh, how it uh, difficult the cork to reach higher euro classes. So yes. it's, it depends as well how the lobby is and how certifications are built, and that's of course by the uh, material by the the owners of the materials uh, that are implemented the most. Yeah. Yeah, mostly you can solve this this problem by uh, building up the wall in a certain way. So using, for example, 22 millimeters of uh, clayboard or 15 millimeters of gypsum uh, fiberboard, and then uh, class B material behind it, like wool. Um, I believe it could be cork as well, but it's classified E at the moment. Uh, so we need tests for the future of these complete constructions, not of this material itself only. Um, because if you want to use the new uh, European Union uh, re-system, REI, um, it's the whole construction which needs to be certified and not only the individual materials. And that gives us uh, possibilities. So uh, there are at the moment, for example, for Gritex wood fiber, there are tests going on also in the Netherlands. And I think, yeah, that's also one of the things for pioneers to focus on, come with good solutions. Not every wall needs to, needs to score high on fire resistance, but certain walls or segments do need to sky, score high and we need solutions for it. Uh, you can have hempcrete products, of course, and uh, yeah, so there, there, there's all kinds of possibilities to solve this. Hey, looking at time, we have to uh, uh, sort of end this uh, podcast in a few seconds. So I'm trying to uh, sort of come to a wrap up. I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of diversity as well. And that's also, I think, the, the nicest thing about this, that a specific material has a specific demand and can be fitted in a specific uh, uh, situation. That makes it also challenging, I think, to get it adopted by people maybe designing a house or designing, uh, uh, implementing the, the installation. But, you know, there's traction coming. So uh, there's a big challenge for entrepreneurs, big challenge for policymakers that make it more uh, accessible. Still a lot to, to, uh, to work on, but the potential is there. Nature is there. And I think in harmony with nature, we can uh, get much further than uh, we are at the moment. Big thanks uh, for the speakers. I don't know, Jennifer, if you have uh, uh, our conclusions or uh, something to add. No, I think uh, my conclusion is spread and collaborate. So that's it. Uh, and To create even more wealth and more biodiversity, definitely, to use the knowledge of everybody. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for this podcast. Next podcast is in a month. It's CO2 Absorbing Materials. Also, really nice topic. Uh, so join us next uh, next month in the How to Buy Design uh, uh, session. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Would you like to attend one of our online meetups? Go to bluecity.nl/howtobuydesign. If you're looking for more bio tips and tricks, join a community on biofabforum.org. How to Buy Design was realized with funding from Creative Industries Fund NL and edited by Puree Productions. Special thanks to our network partners, Rotterdam University of Applied Science, Willem de Kooning Academy, and to our international network partners, Glimpse.bio from Belgium, and the US-based Biodesign Challenge Team. Hope to meet you in our next episode.